0: Hello, 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 and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 79. My name, as always, is Alex Dreamer. I want to start off this week's show with a very positive note. Yes, we are celebrating today, not just because you all came to Out Sports in record setting numbers throughout these Olympic Games, uh, our pagers were through the roof. Throughout the last six weeks, as the in the lead up to the Olympics, during the Olympics, and now in the immediate aftermath of the Olympics, our Patreon numbers for July through the roof. So far, so great. In August, June, Pride Month with Carl Nassib coming out was a huge month for us as well. Uh, it's this support is incredible. Uh, this is a labor of love for all of us involved. So to see that everybody is consuming our work and enjoying our work means a lot. And for this little podcast, I do want to mention this as well our last 3 episodes have been the most downloaded uh, episodes to be released in sports kiki history on a back to back to back basis okay so uh, that's not official and that is the podcast equivalent of the sky hits 295 when there's a cumulus cloud and the sun is slightly behind it at a 45 degree tilt and it's wednesday afternoon and there's a runner on second base in the fifth inning i get that I'm definitely playing semantics, but we take the victories where we can get them in the year of our Lord 2021. Am I right? I mean, the world is is on fire uh, right in front of us. Uh, The Delta variant, Miss Delta, get out of her way as well. So we take the victories where we can get them, and that's a victory. So it's pretty cool. Labor 11, everybody is uh, enjoying our work. It gives us motivation to keep it coming for you guys. Um, and I do want to mention this. I, I said it on the show last week, but it's a nice uh, a nice climax, if you will, to our, well, not climax, I guess, it would be the closing portion of our Olympic coverage. A nice bow to our Olympic coverage. There you go. A nice bow to our Olympic coverage. Team LGBTQ did indeed finish with more medals than countries that ban homosexuality and homosexual acts. So take that, homophobes. I guess the gays are just better athletes than you are. Sorry. There are three stories that I want to hit on this week. The first one actually ties into the Olympics. You may remember Italian professional tennis player Fabio Foggini had a homophobic outburst at the Tokyo Games. He repeatedly shouted a gay slur during his three-set loss on July 29th to a player for the Russian Olympic Committee. After that match, Fogini apologized on Instagram, writing, The heat went to my head. In today's match, I used a really stupid expression towards myself. Obviously, I didn't want to offend anybody's sensibilities. I love the LGBT community, and I apologize for the nonsense that came out of me. Now, a couple of quick things about his apology. You may say, psh, the heat went to my head. That's lame. And under normal circumstances, I would say yes, but the heat was a big problem throughout the Tokyo Games. It was so hot during this match on July 29th that his opponent, the Russian player, actually almost fainted and then asked the umpire what he would do if he died on the court. (laughs) So I'm not saying heat is an excuse for saying anti-gay slurs and shouting them at yourself or anybody else, but it was really damn hot for that match. But still, no excuse And I do give Fogini some credit for calling attention to this himself and being proactive about it, not waiting to get caught, but coming out and saying it. So anyway, that's the background. Fast forward to this week, Fogini returns to the court for the first time since the Olympics uh, for a match at the National Bank Open in Toronto. He wins the match in three sets. However, his outfit attracted more attention than his win. Fogini came to the court. Wearing a rainbow-colored headband and two rainbow-colored wristbands. You would say, oh, that's a nice gesture. It's his first match since the Olympics, since this homophobic outburst. He wants to show support for the LGBTQ community. So he's wearing rainbow-colored headband, rainbow-colored wristbands. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Well, a lot of people on Twitter had a big problem with Fogini's outfit. Uh, Ben Rothenberg is a tennis reporter. And freelance writer for the New York Times, he captured the crux of the criticism being levied against Fogini uh, with this tweet: "I'm fascinated by what his calculations were that what what by what his calculations were to decide that three rainbows was the appropriate remedy." So that gives you the gist of the criticism that this is a very cynical attempt by Fogini to show support for the LGBTQ community. It's the equivalent of a corporation that is silent on LGBTQ issues for 11 months of the year, changing its logo rainbow during Pride Month. This is disingenuous. That's the criticism levied against Bogini. And I would say that, yes, obviously, throwing on some rainbow accessories does not make up for using homophobic language. And certainly, I would also agree there is a bit of corporations posting rainbows during Pride Month feel to this getup But that doesn't mean that Fogini's motives are cynical. You know, it is possible that he's genuinely trying to show his support for the community after he screwed up in a big way. Now, his outreach shouldn't end with the rainbow wristbands, but it can be a start. And that's was my main point and I wrote it this week and it was in my head when the story was happening on Monday it was I don't really understand all of the criticism here I mean yes if this is all Fujini does to show support for LGBTQ people and especially if we have another anti-gay episode from him then you would say this guy enough with him I mean the pandering then becomes very insulting but Again, who's to say that those are his motives? You know, not everything that everybody does is for malevolent reasons. Some people do want to make things right, right their wrongs, etc. And again, wearing rainbows does not right the wrongs of saying anti-gay slurs during an Olympic tennis match. It doesn't, but it is, it is a show of some support on top of the apology. It's, it's just, I didn't get a lot of the criticism levied against him. I would take more of a wait and see approach, which I understand is antithetical to how Twitter works, but, and I have certainly been (laughs) known to rush to rash judgments in my own life. Every day I do it multiple times a day, uh, oftentimes in the written word. But in this case, it's like, do we have to pummel the guy without knowing his motivations? Again, maybe this was genuine. So that's just That's just my uh, take on that. We do have a big event in the NFL Saturday night. Uh, Carl Nassib is playing his first preseason game with the Las Vegas Raiders. And Jim Bozinski, one of our co-founders, wrote about this, I think it was two weeks ago, when training camps first opened up across the league, uh, that Carl Nassib's sexuality has not been an issue at all, at all, in Raiders camp It took like a week into camp for Nassib to address his sexuality for the first time, saying a weight's been lifted off his shoulders, he's never felt better, similar to what he said with the uh, Instagram post when he came out at the end of June. I think Derek Carr addressed it too, but it really has not been a story at all. It certainly has not been the distraction that (laughs) we were told for years that a gay NFL player would bring. There has been no media circus whatsoever, and that's evident by the fact that I bet you didn't even know listening to the show right now that Carl Nassib would play in his first preseason game Saturday night. I mean, I remember when Michael Sam played in his first preseason game or any preseason game with the Rams in 2014. It was a huge, huge story. And you had ESPN sending camera crews there. You had that bizarre Josina Anderson report about how teammates were taking to showering with Michael Sam. And and it's just very odd. And Chris Long actually publicly rebuked Josina Anderson, which I still remember to this day. But there's just, and that was only seven years ago. And now there's just been, there's been nothing in terms of Carl Nassib. It's not a story at all. And I just hope, I just hope that that puts an end to this outdated notion that an openly gay player on an NFL team or any pro sports team, and I'm talking the elite male levels, of course, we don't need to go through it again, how, you know, the dearth of out male athletes who even saw it at the Olympics. I mean, these numbers are pretty unbelievable. Out of the 185, out at at least 183, I'm sorry, out athletes who were in Tokyo, out of 183, there are only 17 out men. That's just, that's just 3% of, it's 0.3% of all male athletes at the Olympics. I mean, I said the numbers last week, but they're worth repeating this week. But anyway, uh, we see that male sports still have a long way to catch up. And I just hope that any closet NFL player sees what's happening with Carl Nassib or even what happened with Luke Prokop and the Predators and says, there's just, there's just no circus here. There's no real distraction, and of course everybody comes on their own coming out journey. And I guess two months is still too soon to expect a domino effect. But man, I mean, what more do you need? What more? But yeah, I don't, I'm not an NFL locker room, so I don't know. Maybe there is still a story there, but just publicly and certainly from a media and from a media perspective, which is what I can speak on authoritatively because I consume the media there's it's there's just nothing, even compared to Michael Sam seven years ago. I mean, if, if I worked for Out Sports five years ago even, and Carl Nassib was out, he was an openly gay NFL player, active NFL player, I should say, I just know that we would have idiotic takes from Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith or some local radio a-hole. I mean, just go on down the line. Like clockwork, they would have come out. And there's even none of that with Carl Nassib. I mean, when Skip Bayless even avoids saying something idiotic about you, you know that this is not a hot, you know, this is not a polarizing culture, cultural issue. So that's a note on Carl Nassib. Of course, we'll follow him throughout the preseason. We'll follow him throughout the regular season. But so far, really nothing. And that's a pretty cool thing. And the last story I want to I want to get to is a little bit different than a lot of the news stories I cover here on this show because oh, it's my show, so I have editorial control, and as a result, I talk about what feeds my agenda. <laughs> but gonna take a different stance this week with a story that came out pretty interesting that subway franchises want to drop Megan Rapinoe's new advertisement. Megan Rapino, like many athletes, hello Tom Brady, (laughs) is a Subway spokesperson. Who do you you think it's more likely that Megan Rapino has had a Subway sandwich within the last six months, or that Tom Brady has had a Subway sandwich over the last six months? It's a tough question. I'd maybe say Rapino, just because I know that Brady hasn't. The TB12 diet, avocado toast, you know, electrolyte, no way. There's no way. He doesn't even eat tomatoes because they have too much sugar in them. No strawberries for Brady, too much sugar. So no way he's chowing down on the tuna salad, or is it really tuna salad? No way. I don't think Megan Rapinoe is either, especially preparing for the Olympics as she was for the last six months, but still an interesting question throughout to the people. What do you think? Maybe that'll be your first uh, sports kiki poll question. Who knows? But Rapinoe signed on as a spokesperson this spring. With the company, of course, she's very outspoken politically, equal rights, and to the gender pay gap, which are issues that I am behind 100%. I am also 100% behind uh, her her stance when it comes to the national anthem, that she kneels for the anthem because she does not feel that America is truly an equal country for all. And it is not, and I've always said there is nothing more American than protesting the national anthem and protesting during the national anthem, I should say. Very important distinction. Protesting during the National Anthem and exercising your First Amendment rights. There's nothing more American than that. With that said, of course, we've been having this debate since Kaepernick. Not everybody agrees with me. They should. They'd be smart if they did, but they don't. So we have uh, this event that was hosted by the North American Association of Subway Franchisees. I've been there in the past. This thing is... A ripper, let me tell you. Um, but apparently, and this is from The Washington Examiner, which meh, I don't really read that often as you know Washington Post is here. this is like the right wing, I don't even know if they're a tabloid. They're a website, whatever. So I don't really read them much. but this was on Yahoo and I do read Yahoo sometimes. so anyway, that's my media habits for you. but uh, this uh, this event, there was discussion, the Washington Examiner says about removing rapino from a new ad where she kicks a soccer ball at a person holding a burrito, sending complaints they have received from their customers about her. A Wisconsin store operator uh, apparently read a note from a customer that was taped to the glass door of his store. It read, Boycott Subway until Subway fires the anti-American Megan Rapino, the creep who kneels for our beloved national anthem. This prompted the franchisee to say the ad should be pulled, It gets tiring apologizing. Uh, You know, another franchisee argued that these campaigns should be used to push the product, not politics. Spending our money to make a political statement is completely and totally out of bounds, the franchisee said. So we'll see where this goes. I don't think it'll go anywhere. I mean, the hatred that was spewed at the U.S. women's team Throughout the Olympics, by Donald Trump, who called Rapino the woman with the purple hair and all his moronic minions on Twitter. Like the, the celebration when the United States women's national team lost a game it was just creepy and bizarre. Made me uncomfortable to read the obsession they have with her, an outspoken, openly gay woman. Shouldn't make all of us uncomfortable as members of the LGBTQ community. And this extends to the WNBA. We saw this to an extent with Gwen Berry as well. Certainly Raven Saunders had to deal with this after she won the shot put event. I mean, with her ex-protest. So I don't think it's lost on me that these are openly gay women. In Raven Saunders' case, she is an openly gay woman of color. Yeah. So this is not lost on me at all. But there is an interesting part of this. And that is... Are we now past the point where brands are going to enthusiastically line themselves up with such politically outspoken athletes? Because I did a few shows last year at the height of the pandemic, pre-Delta version. (laughs) Um, Black Lives Matter, shortly after George Floyd, throughout the summer, certainly. I remember having a conversation with one of our great Outsports contributors, Ken Schultz, about Natasha Cloud. The Mystics guard and how she is the face of Converse's new basketball campaign. One of the faces, and how that's just so cool that an openly bisexual basketball player who's so outspoken politically can also be one of the faces of a major shoe brand's uh, new sneaker line. And that's totally. And I still think that brands and corporations have recognized that being on the progressive side of a lot of these social causes is good business. Look no further. The success that Colin Kaepernick has had as a Nike spokesperson and a Nike ambassador, with his products selling, uh, to prove that point. So, you know, we're going to an era where we were Derek Jeter, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. Athletes are silent. That's never coming back due to social media. Just intrinsically is not coming back. But I do wonder if now that we are, what is it, six, seven months in to the uh, to the Joe Biden. Administration. I do wonder, you know, temperature in this country where, frankly, the political lines continue to be redrawn a little bit. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I am to the left of Lenin. I am furious with the way that many people on my side of the aisle have dealt with COVID, especially over the last five, six months since the vaccines have been readily available, and certainly over this summer. Pushing mask mandates instead of more vaccination mandates. I mean, to me, that is just totally backwards. I think that a lot of this hygiene theater is the new TSA. It's here to stay. It's not really based in fact. I mean, look at the coverage of the Provincetown outbreak over the 4th. You had 900 cases. Oh, no. Only seven hospitalizations, though. Okay? So that tells you that the vaccines work. The vaccines are supposed to prevent serious symptomatic illness. And they do. They do. 900 cases, seven hospitalizations. That's the story. Okay? I'm sorry. But I can't, I really, I'm at the point where if it's in the New York Times and it's about COVID, I'm not reading or I'm reading with a very skeptical and critical eye. Don't believe it. Read every word, every paragraph, track the sentences. Oh, okay, I need to get that off my chest. Anyone who's followed my Twitter feed over the last few weeks knows that's the case. But I go back to Rapinoe in Subway. I just say that I think the political temp, it's not been turned down. We've never been more polarized. But past Trump's presidency, I don't know if there's as much of an appetite for this as there was even a year ago. And I do think that there are a sizable number of people on my side of the aisle who Roll our eyes a little bit at a lot of this performative wokeism. Uh, you know, like, look at, you know, I mean, look no further than Andrew Cuomo, right? I mean, he's an awful man. He pushed, yeah, initiatives that were, you know, ostensibly good for women in the state of New York while he was sexually harassing them. And then the head of Time's Up is consulting him. And obviously, I'm not comparing. Cuomo to Rapino. I'm not. Megan Rapino is a is a great American. I love Megan Rapino. I guess just what I'm saying is. I wonder if we're now kind of gonna have a little bit of reverse where uh yeah, these corporations like Subway that cater to everybody are, are not going to as enthusiastically jump in with very outspoken, politically outspoken athletes. I, I do wonder. I do wonder. I think we may start seeing some of that. We've already seen some of it in sports. The NBA this season didn't have the Black Lives Matter logo on their court. So it's, uh, so yeah, interesting story to watch. But with that said, I do also want to reiterate that, yeah, the amount of hatred that people had towards Rapino and the USWN in the women's national team during the Olympics was bizarre. It was creepy. It was scary. I mean, it's not lost on me that a lot of this hate gets directed towards out women. That's something that certainly uh, we should all be concerned about and take notice of. But with that said, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast, episode number 79. As always, if you have any show ideas, guest ideas, drop me a line. My Twitter DMs are open. Alexreamer one is my Twitter name. That, again, is Alexreamer one show announcement. There will be no Kiki next week. I know it's tragic. It's sad. I'm going away for the week. And I think for the first time all year, I'm not going to do a podcast episode. So I'll catch you in two weeks. So long, everybody. Talk to you guys.